down a threat to decency and humanity. Last week, along with cocaine, what is it today? It's more in one small country. It is a big idea. Because of oppression, has new Listening to the Alchemical Tech Revolution, and I am your host, Wayne McCroy. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are around the world. Today we're going to look into the occultic nature of Disease X. And what are we talking about? Well, you may have seen in recent days this story surfacing around the news media talking about this notion of a coming Disease X and the next pandemic situation as this was openly discussed in the World Economic Forum's meeting at Davos this past week. So they're keying up for something big here. And tonight we're going to take a look back into the records. And we're going to see some of these exercises that they have done to prepare for these types of events. And particularly tonight, we're going to look at an exercise from 2018 called Clade X, which relates directly to this disease X situation that we have now. And we're going to look, of course, across the spectrum at some of the other exercises, these pandemic preparedness exercises they've done in earnest since 2001, prior to the events of 9-11. Looking back at things like Dark Winter, Yes, they've performed many of these different preparedness exercises. They've been planning this for a very long time. And we're going to look into some of the documentation here. And we're going to rip it apart in a way that most people out there that cover this kind of thing won't do. I'm going to delve into the occultic aspects related to this. The archetypes that are being invoked in order to get this thing off the ground for these people. And of course, we've seen some of that already here in the past in hindsight as we look at the events of the past several years. And of course, we could recognize now things we didn't perhaps recognize back at the beginning phases of all of that. But there are those of us out there who recognized it from the get-go and began to sound the warning bells for others. And at some point, with the onset of this COVID pandemic situation, in the very early phases, I didn't think it was going to amount to anything. I thought it was primarily going to affect only China, and that they would use it as a type of a method for scaring people, but certainly they went for it all. So I had publicly made the acknowledgement I was wrong about that in the early phases of it. I didn't think anything much would happen here in America because of it. 
And of course, we've seen what has happened as a result of this plan-demic. And we have lived through the repercussions here now, and we're beginning to see even more repercussions of this whole notion still today. And of course, now they're gearing up for the next big phase of this, which I don't think will roll out in earnest until sometime after the next presidential election, because they can't very well have something like this crop up during a presidential election. Of course, I do reserve the right to be totally wrong about that. I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll use this as justification for maybe keeping the current administration in place, declaring some national emergency or some such thing, should this president lose the next election. Who knows? I don't have a crystal ball. I can't see the future, but what I can tell you is what they have written down in their own documentation as to what they have planned for certain scenarios, and we'll see some of that here tonight. And of course, I like to go at it from the esoteric perspective, because you will find much hidden useful information in the esoteric perspective of these things when you begin to look at it from that vantage point. And of course, once you do that, you can't unsee what is there. And that's the whole nature of this thing. So, like I said, tonight, we're going to look at this advent of disease X. Now, very interesting that they would choose the letter X as a representation of this next pandemic. What does X represent? X represents, well, of course, the Saturnian ideas, the binding influence in the esoteric and the occult the binding influence. It also represents not only the number 10, but also the number 6 in numerology, which of course relates to the physical, material world manifestation of things, the number 6, when you get down to it. And once again, it is a representation of Saturn. Again, Saturn. And of course, X also represents Antichrist. These are all connotations that are inherent in this disease X notion. Now, some people might think that that's a bit of alarmism or might think it's a bridge too far to think in these terms or that as... A human race, we are beyond all of these archaic superstitions and things of that nature. I most assuredly can tell you with no uncertainty whatsoever that there are people in positions of power in this world that very much believe in these occult principles and act upon them. And the things they do to act upon their beliefs in these principles will affect all of us. So even if you think it's total nonsense, you need to understand. You're going to be affected by it. And you need to know what it is that these controlling factors in this world believe and why they use and leverage these principles in the ways that they do. So like I said, just right out of the gate, inherent in this notion of disease X is the binding influence of Saturn, the relationship to Antichrist, the relationship to the physical material paradigm and being trapped 
in that paradigm. And of course, we have this whole notion attached in the physical material world paradigm of contagion attached to this germ theory that we have. But there's a flip side to that too. There's also something called terrain theory that has been heavily leveraged here now by some people in this world. And that doesn't offer an all-encompassing solution to the problem of contagion either. So we're given two separate systems for evaluating contagion in the natural world here. Neither of which completely explain things. I think there's some amalgamation of the two of them at play in terms of a lot of this stuff. But certainly what has been heavily leveraged by the mainstream is the germ theory of contagion that we have been handed, and they base all of our medical responses to this germ theory, which does have some inherent truth and value to it, like I said, as well as terrain theory also has some inherent truth and value in it as well. So I think it's an amalgamation of the two that represents the reality of how perhaps these things become manifest, and maybe there's something more to that as well. I think there certainly is. So neither of these systems we have for explanation can adequately explain how many of these things or processes work. But what we do know is they've developed sciences in introducing new pathogens into the environment. So even if you don't accept germ theory on the face of it, what you do need to accept is that they most certainly do manufacture these types of pathogenic entities in labs in this world and are able to cause these at certain times to become manifest in the world through introduction in certain ways. Now, oftentimes, I think the ways in which they are introduced don't relate to how the media tells you they've been introduced. And of course, we'll go back to the example of COVID for this. Now, in my estimation, in my viewpoint, and I do reserve the right to be totally wrong about all of this, but it seems to me from the analysis I've done of this whole situation, this thing they call COVID in the beginning phases of this pandemic didn't exist in the way that they claim that it did. That this was simply a rebranding of a flu variant of sorts that was a little bit stronger than some previous years, a little bit more virulent than previous years. And so they changed brands. They did a rebranding of the flu, convinced people that this was going to be super deadly, and initiated changes into the behavior patterns of people around the world. And of course, they introduced the solution to this problem that they newly introduced to the world, because that's the way they operate, always create a problem and have a ready-made solution in mind for the problem. Problem, reaction, solution, the old Hegelian dialectic as described by some. So they introduced this new problem. We have this new disease going around. Of course, there was nothing new about it, but they wanted you to believe there was something new about it. 
and that this was somehow deadlier. So they introduced this idea first, and then they fudged the numbers around the world. They stopped counting cases of the flu. They rebranded the flu and made people believe that this thing was something that actually existed. And then, of course, operating under the Hegelian dialectic like they do, they had a ready-made solution in mind for the problem that they introduced to the people, or they contrived for the people. And that solution, of course, was a vaccine. The thing is, though, that vaccine was the actual attack vector for a new pathogen that they then unleashed on the world at large. So this new pathogen that was present in the vaccine was introduced into the world and began to spread and began to gain virulence. And now we have something that is different than the previous thing they described that has been unleashed on the world. And in my view, it's some type of a nanotech. That's my vantage point of what this is. And of course, you'll always have people who will deny the existence of nanotech out there, but certainly... It's well documented, it does exist, and they are able to produce this stuff in laboratory settings. And they have been successful to some degree or another with that. And of course, all of these things, these different approaches to health and wellness and how the human body operates have been introduced in the past several years into the truth community to muddy the waters as to the true nature of what's been going on here. And at least, like I said, this is my viewpoint, and I reserve the right to be totally wrong, and you're free to go ahead and have your own opinion on these things. I know a lot of people that claim the whole thing's a hoax. There's nothing to it. And there's a lot of people that claim there's no such thing as nanotech. They don't have that capability, but they want you to believe it is. So you have a lot of people who think all of this is a hoax. A lot of people think germ theory is total nonsense, and that terrain theory is the only way to go. And once again, this has caused more problems in our understanding of things because you've divided out these two camps and you fall in one camp or the other and they all have their problems i think the truth lies somewhere in between and how this initially got rolled out it may not have been an actual thing in the beginning but they manufactured it in a lab and injected it into 69 percent of the world population that went around and spread this now. And now we have this nanotech rampant in the community out there, in the world around us, and we're beginning to see the manifestations of what this nanotechnology was intended to do, which is to destroy the human immune system, the natural human immune system. And we're seeing how it's affecting people, how all of a sudden died suddenly is a thing, this program will never go out on YouTube tonight. This is not going to fly on YouTube. They'll take my channel down if I try to produce this on YouTube. But at any rate, here's what has happened. So they manufactured this toxin. You could call it whatever you want. You could call it a pathogen, a toxin. You could call it a virus if you would like. It's some type of a nanotechnology that was developed and produced 
grown in a lab. Using a spurious type of technology known as mRNA technology. Where it causes the human body to produce this unnatural pathogen itself. And poison itself repeatedly. Thus weakening and eventually destroying the human immune system entirely. And causing all kinds of inflammation and autoimmune disorders in people to the point where people are dropping dead now, acknowledged by the manufacturers of these vaccines from the damage from myocarditis and other factors. And we're seeing this escalating now in the time frame that was expected from this. Now, a lot of people are beginning to wake up to this and are no longer getting the booster shots or any such thing, but there's a lot of them still playing into the narrative. And somehow they think health can be achieved through a vial injected into them. Which is totally not the case. And this is slowly beginning to destroy people's immune systems around the world. And we're seeing the repercussions of that now. Because back when this whole thing first started, there were no excess deaths, all-cause deaths, then after the rollout of the vaccine, then we started to see these excess deaths. And the insurance companies have even acknowledged this, these excess mortality rates in people who generally are a healthy, healthy demographic. The life insurance companies were having a hard time with this data. And, of course, this has all been hushed up by the mainstream media. They won't talk about this. You won't see any of this stuff come out in the mainstream media. Of course, all of this stuff has been talked about in alternative media of all different sorts here. And the, the waters have been muddied in this regard, too. It's hard to be able to get actual facts about a lot of these things. But we are seeing the evidence of our own eyes around us, if you're paying attention... If you look, there's people who are young and healthy that are just inexplicably dropping dead. The only common factor is this COVID mRNA vaccine, the mRNA vaccine. And yet the connection, although it seems to be the only thing that is the common factor, the mainstream scientific community and the mainstream media still will not put two and two together. Doctors are baffled. How baffled are they, really? And this is taboo to talk about. Like I said, this will never run on YouTube. They will pull my channel if I talk about this on YouTube. That's a no-no. And in fact, when I put this up on Spotify, it's probably going to get one of those little boxes underneath it that says about medical information and stuff like that and gives you a link to some CDC website or some such thing. But at any rate, it's important that this information gets out there because they're gearing up for the next thing now. And I don't know what we can fully expect from this, but like I said, I do want to look at the esoteric side of this to see what's been leveraged here. And so far, just in the name alone, we can see They've leveraged this letter X, this symbol, 
symbol for Saturn, which represents a binding influence, represents materiality, the material paradigm. And of course, they're talking about this now in the year 2024, the Chinese year of the dragon. And all of this stuff, all of this stuff has been leveraged in many ways by these people in positions of power, these dark occultists who run things. And I do think there's human planning that's involved with this. But I think there's also across the board, there's spiritual forces and powers in play that tend to steer things in certain directions as well. And it's a combination of these two factors that influence things. So we can understand what's been planned here and what's been done, at least on the human side and, of course, on the esoteric side as well. We're going to look into this. Now there's a couple things we're going to have to go through here to bring a little bit of relevance to this on the occultic principles thereof. But I just first wanted to review what we have already seen happening in the world, in the mainstream, for people to watch, and how our minds have been captured in this. Even if you don't accept what the mainstream tells you as to the actual nature of this pandemic that we allegedly just lived through. Our minds have been influenced on the other side of that as well. You see, they like to play both sides of the argument. So we've had introduced into the quote-unquote truth movement or conspiracy culture, we've had this notion of terrain theory introduced as well. And like I said, I think the truth of the argument between germ theory and terrain theory may lie somewhere in the middle. I think both have valid points to them, but they also have inconsistencies in them that don't add up, and I think there's more to it than that as to the nature of contagion. But largely what's been done is we've been separated on these lines of thought. Do you believe in the mainstream model of viruses and contagion and germ theory, or do you believe in terrain theory? And this is, once again, one of the ways they've weaponized information against us and put us in these two camps. And like I said, I don't think the truth is in either one of those ends of the spectrum. I think it lies maybe somewhere in the middle, or maybe there's some other alternative factors involved in contagion as well. And we've explored some of these ideas before on this program, but when we're talking about this new disease X that they've introduced in recent days at the World Economic Forum and their meeting at Davos and what they intend to do here. We're going to look at some of those other potential causative factors that don't necessarily align with either germ nor terrain theory. What we're looking at is the source of this the cause of this cause and effect sequence happening from one of what's called the invisible worlds by the occultists. This is how they empower many of the things that they launch on humanity. First, they introduce it as an idea, 
which ruminates and gains power and force. And then, then, only then does it begin to take some type of physical manifestation. You see, there's more to it at play than this physical cause and effect sequence. And that's where they have us arguing all the time. What's the physical cause and effect sequence? Is germ theory correct or is terrain theory correct? Well, there's more to it than that. And like I said, we've explored some of these ideas before. Many of the causative factors of things aren't necessarily some physical, material world cause and effect sequence manifestation. Some of these things may occur as a result of some spiritual influence in this physical world. Now, having said all of that now, and you can totally, totally disagree with me if you'd like. This is my viewpoint, and I do reserve the right to be totally wrong about it, but based upon all the things I've studied and I've looked at, it seems to me they're leveraging some type of esoteric or energetic archetype that begins manifestation outside of this physical world and slowly begins to build force and dominance and then manifest here in the physical. And when they give you just this physical way of looking at it in this cause and effect sequence, it takes your mind outside of what they want you to understand. It puts your mind in this one little box and keeps you infighting over minutia of these things when, well, they roll out whole agendas surrounding this. So, with that being said, I think it's important we look at the esoteric viewpoint of this as well, and that's where I'm starting tonight. So, disease X, already we had said inherent, is X, the symbol for Saturn, the symbol for materiality, the symbol for the binding influence. Disease X now further, we're going to go further, and we're going to go back and look at this 2018 exercise called Clade X. And I'll be reading directly from the slideshow presentation of Clade X here now. And we're going to jump around a little bit. This is all documented at Johns Hopkins University website, by the way. All of these pandemic exercise scenarios, we're going to touch a little on what's called Dark Winter. We're going to touch on Clade X. We're going to touch on Event 201, which you all may be a little more familiar with. And we're going to connect some dots for you. So first up, the very first slide. Now this is the presentation given at this meeting, which occurred May 15th, 2018, for this Clade X pandemic scenario training exercise. The very first slide gives you a definition Clade. What is a clade? Why did they choose the term clade for this? So here it is, clade, definition. A clade from ancient Greek, or klados, meaning branch, is a group of organisms that consists of a common ancestor and all its lineal descendants representing a single branch on the tree of life. So I'm going to pause there. This is the first slide. So already, 
they've introduced on the very first slide of this something that reaches outside the bounds of what we would consider our normal science. There's symbology at play here. Why would they choose a Greek term, first of all? And why would they choose the term branch? Clade means branch, referring to a branch on the tree of life. The tree of life. This is a massively important occult symbol. If you go back and you look at Kabbalah, what is the tree of life? Well, we have all of these different things here inherent now. With this. So they're leveraging on these occultic archetypes right out of the gate here in the Clade X training scenario. So this is a branch of the Tree of Life. They're invoking the Kabbalah to empower a thing. Now, let's go ahead and we'll, we'll jump around a little bit. I'm not going to read the next slide yet. Like I said, we'll jump around a little just so that we could have some important context here. So next we're going to read, basically, what is this Claydex scenario? And like I said, this is directly from Johns Hopkins' website. So their health security, pandemic simulation exercise spotlights, massive preparedness gap. And they're talking about the history of their pandemic preparedness. And this one... This article from Johns Hopkins' website mentions all of them, when the dates were, the ones that they acknowledge in the modern era as their ways of preparing for a big event. And notice very carefully, pay close attention to the language that's used, because I'm going to read it verbatim from Johns Hopkins' website. Now, this article that we'll be reading from was originally posted November 6th, 2019. The author of it is one Katie Pierce. Johns Hopkins University Hub. Pandemic si Simulation Exercise Spotlight's Massive Preparedness Gap. Event 201, hosted by the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security, envisions a fast-spreading coronavirus with a devastating impact. Now remember, this, was, uh, this article was written November 6, 2019. Event 201 took place October 18th, 2019, a mere 44 days before they foisted this thing into the world. This very scenario. And people will call it a coincidence, or they'll say, oh, these people, they're oh so smart. They, they saw this coming, and they did their very best to try to prepare us for such a coincidence that may occur. But let's read this. Back in 2001, it was a smallpox outbreak set off by terrorists in U.S. shopping malls. This fall, it was a SARS-like virus germinating quietly among pig farms in Brazil before spreading to every country in the world. With each fictional pandemic Johns Hopkins experts have designed, the takeaway lesson is the same. We are nowhere near prepared. Going to pause for a moment. 
With each fictional pandemic Johns Hopkins experts have designed, let's repeat that portion. These have all been designed, folks. Now, you may have heard, relating to the realm of politics in the past, a quote from FDR, where he says, If you see it in the news, and it's related to the political, rest assured it has been thoroughly planned. This is a paraphrase. It's not an accident or a coincidence. There's no such thing as coincidence in politics. It's the same thing with this. Same thing with this. This has all been planned and designed. Whether there's a real pathogen or not at play, they need to create the perception of a real pathogen in order to make it manifest as a reality. So that's what's been done here. But let's continue reading from this article. Once you're in the midst of a severe pandemic, your options are very limited, says Eric Toner, a senior scholar at the Center for Health Security at Johns Hopkins University. The greatest good can happen with pre-planning. The center's latest pandemic simulation, Event 201, dropped participants right in the midst of an uncontrolled coronavirus outbreak that was spreading like wildfire out of South America to wreak worldwide havoc. As fictional newscasters from GNN narrated, the immune-resistant virus, nicknamed CAPS, was crippling trade and travel, sending the global economy into freefall. Social media was rampant with rumors and misinformation. Governments were collapsing and citizens were revolting. For those participating in New York City on October 18th, a heavyweight group of policymakers, business leaders, and health officials, Event 201 was a chance to see how much catch-up work is needed to bolster our disaster response systems. Full videos of the discussion are available online. It really does shake up assumptions and change thinking about how we can prepare for a global pandemic, says Tom Inglesby, director for the Center for Health Security. Event 201 is the fourth such exercise hosted by the Johns Hopkins Center, which works to prepare communities for biological threats, pandemics, and other disasters. Going to pause for a moment here, folks. Event 201 was the fourth one in a series of these events that Johns Hopkins hosted. Johns Hopkins is a major center for a lot of narrative crafting for this stuff. They're one of the quote-unquote experts that CDC and World Health Organization and others have gone to to provide guidance on the response here to pandemic situations. So this is one of the ways in which they are able to centralize control of a situation. They use certain outlets to do so, and Johns Hopkins is one of those primary conduits for putting forward policy on these types of situations. So let's continue on here, and we'll see 
what other simulation events they have done and what those entailed. The simulations started with 2001's Dark Winter. I'm going to pause for a moment, and you may recognize that phraseology because if you think back a couple years to when they first rolled out these vaccines, you'll remember the White House and the Biden administration put out a statement which promised us a dark winter for those who went unvaccinated. You see, it was a kind of a veiled threat. And don't make any mistake about it. They choose very carefully the language they use in those types of statements. They knew what they were invoking here. So we have this simulation of Dark Winter. This was in 2001. Let's read that again. The simulations started with 2001's Dark Winter which gathered national security experts for its simulated smallpox outbreak. I'm going to pause again for a moment. What did they try rolling out directly after COVID? Remember monkeypox? That one didn't fly. But see, they planned for a smallpox type of an outbreak. With this dark winter scenario. That one didn't fly, though. They were trying to leverage off of this with the monkeypox thing, and it didn't work, I think, because people began to see through it early on because of the attention they brought to themselves with the closely, the very close timing of this Event 201 scenario and the real thing, the alleged real thing, being unleashed on the world. This very close proximity, this very close time frame. So people began to become suspicious. And there were a lot of us out there calling it out. So I think we've had a real impact in that way. But let's let's continue anyway. So this dark winter was a simulated smallpox outbreak. Says the groundbreaking event turned out to be influential in shaping U.S. efforts around pandemic preparedness, particularly due to its timing right before 9-11. Going to pause again for a moment. What a coincidence, huh? What a coincidence. Dark Winter resulted in more than a dozen congressional hearings, was briefed to the White House, and ultimately influenced the decision to stockpile enough smallpox vaccine for all Americans, Inglesby says. I'm going to pause again there. Now, did they have enough stockpiled when the monkeypox thing rolled out? I don't think so. Remember, they were talking about ordering Biden spending money, ordering more of these smallpox vaccines to try to stave off this whole monkeypox thing. You remember that? The whole narrative fell apart, though, because I think too many of us were questioning it so close to the COVID thing. So they let it go for now. But certainly smallpox was on their minds as one of the vector points here. But let's continue on. That simulation and its two successors, one called Atlantic Storm, conducted in 2005, and last summer, that being 2018, last summer's Clade X, have also demonstrated lasting value as educational and advocacy tools, with reenactments or modified versions taking place in settings including universities, the CDC, and Capitol Hill, according to Inglesby. These exercises have a long fuse, he says. 
for Event 201, hosted in collaboration with, get this, the World Economic Forum, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the experts added a new layer of realism by reaching beyond government and non-governmental organizations to leaders in the private sector and business community. And I'm going to pause again for a second. So this was a hugely different thing they were doing here with Event 201. They were bringing private industry into the fold with this, whereas previously... They were only using government and non-governmental organizations that work closely in collaboration with government policymakers to design these things. So what they did is they brought corporations, private sector corporations into the fold here for policy planning. And this is wherein we had seen some really interesting developments in this whole COVID narrative, didn't we? This is where we saw private corporations, private companies, instituting policies that were not laws for their employees and customers. Do you remember? Oh, you can't come in this store unless you're wearing a mask. That's our policy. We could refuse you service if you don't. Oh, if you don't get vaccinated, you're not going to have a job. That's our policy. You see, what has happened here is with this meeting of the minds here with the Event 201 scenario wherein they brought in private industry into the fold, they were able to brainstorm different ideas to coerce people into capitulation to various things without having to make any laws to do so. So with the threat of legal force, these companies, in fear of being sued by somebody who may catch a deadly pathogen and give it to their grandma and kill their grandma, these companies capitulated and set their own policies in place. And of course, they'll tell you, well, you freely had a choice. We didn't force you to do such a thing. You could have refused to wear the mask and done your business elsewhere, which, by the way, all the major corporations are still using and implementing these same policies, but you could have done business elsewhere. Or if you're employed by us, you could have, you could have been laid off and got a job elsewhere. You see, we didn't force you. It's your free choice. And we didn't threaten you legally or anything like that. It was your free choice. And that's the argument they used. You see, they're evil geniuses at work when they do this stuff. I think a lot of what they were trying to figure out and, and really get to the bottom of was how to get people to comply to these various illegal mandates that they wanted to institute. So they came up with alternative strategies to do so, skirting official government and legal systems. And I think this is an element of Event 201 that had one of the most far-reaching implications in the world.
So, that being the case, this was something that was monumental. This was different than the other event simulations of the past because it involved non-government entities in planning and policy phases. And it gave them better tools to convince people to comply. And essentially, that's what was done with Event 201. But let's go ahead, we'll get back to this. For Event 201, hosted in collaboration with the World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the experts added a new layer of realism by reaching beyond government and NGOs to leaders in the private sector and business community. Participants included representatives from NBC Universal, UPS, and Johnson and Johnson. Gonna pause. Just to point out the fact NBC Universal, there's media front and center, first and foremost in their list. UPS, this is the logistics system. This is how are we going to get products to people so that we don't have a major problem on our hands. This is going to everything, online delivery services. Think about all the, the changes that were instituted right after this. And, of course, Johnson & Johnson, and this is the medical community. So you have three important private sector businesses represented here. Media first and foremost, the most important for them to get their narrative out. UPS, logistics planning, and Johnson & Johnson, the medical industry. All of these three vectors needed to be brought into the fold in order to effectuate the change they wanted in the world. Let's read on. Very few people have included the private sector in pandemic preparedness, but that's where most of the resources are, Toner says. That's particularly true when it comes to vaccine development. The CAPS virus, which Toner describes as a cousin of SARS, but slightly more transmissible, like the flu, and slightly more lethal, was presented as resistant to any existing vaccine as scientists scrambled to come up with one. Citizens, meanwhile, were rioting over scarce access to the next best thing, a fictional antiviral known to treat some CAPS symptoms. And I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. So, we have a couple ideas inherent here in this training scenario that they allegedly used. First of all, we have this push for the development of a vaccine as the cure for this. And we also have a treatment for a, an antiviral to treat some of these symptoms. And have they not developed both of these since such a time? Only thing is, neither of these things was an effective cure for the alleged disease pandemic in the real world. And some would argue that's because the whole thing's a hoax. And some would argue that, well, that's because it was a bioweapon developed in a lab. You see how they've controlled both sides of the argument here with all of this. Now, there's still a lot of people that deny that such a thing as COVID exists, at least in the way that it's described. 
they would say that they just successfully rebranded the flu. But like I said, my whole take on it is, in the beginning phases, it was nothing more than perhaps some bad strain of the flu. But then they unleashed the real thing on the world with the development of the vaccines. And now we have that to deal with. And now we're seeing all kinds of stuff coming to bear as a result. Mostly within the vaccinated themselves. But that's neither here nor there. But at any rate, so they introduced this idea in Event 201 of a coronavirus, interestingly enough, related to SARS, which causes this, and then some 44 days later, after the event, the real thing spills out into the world, allegedly. And we've had the events of the past several years now. Let's get back to the reading here, though. That scenario, Toner says, is utterly realistic. We don't have a vaccine for SARS or MERS, or various avian flu viruses that have come up in the past decade, he notes. That's because vaccine development is slow and difficult if there isn't an immediate market for it. I'm gonna pause again. So what happened to vaccine development being slow? Notice what he says here as a caveat. If there isn't an immediate market for it. Market. Notice the terminology he's using. Notice the language market. It's all about commerce. It's all about making money. It's all about the transference of wealth. In the simulation, caps resulted in a death toll of 65 million people within 18 months, surpassing the deadliest pandemic in history, the 1918 Spanish flu. Gonna pause for a moment here, folks. We didn't get anywhere near 65 million in 18 months from this like the scenario had suggested. I think this was wishful thinking on the planner's part. You see, they want to depopulate. It's all a eugenics program at the end of the day, but at any rate, they got a lot of the policies in place that they wanted to get in place as a result here. And of course... Of course, they will use some of these occultic numbers when we're looking back again at the esoteric factor here. 65 million people. That's an interesting number. 65 million. 6 and 5 is 11. There's the casting of a spell once again. And of course, we see, if you've been paying attention to some of what I've been talking about recently, we see a connection back to the story in the Mystery Schools of Atlantis, where the claim is made by the secret society groups that when Atlantis sank beneath the waves, 65 million people were killed. Interesting how this number crops up over and over again. 65 million, and of course... That was within 18 months in this planning scenario, this event 201. 18 months, 18 if you want to break it down, is 666. Three sixes, 18. These are the types of numeric sequences that they use for encoding 
certain things in a lot of esoteric ways. And most people will say this is a bridge too far, it's a coincidence. It's not a coincidence, folks. Much like with politics, there's no coincidence in this type of thing. As we were advised by FDR in politics, there's no such thing as coincidence. It's the same thing in these plannings of these events. Isn't it astounding just how close to this training exercise, this Event 201, that the real thing allegedly was? How close did it align? Think about that. Now, is that all coincidence? Or are these people really that smart? Or was it planned? You use Occam's razor, the favorite tool of those sciencey-minded individuals in this world, Occam's razor. You use that to figure out what's the most common explanation for this. Were they really that smart and were able to predict these things that accurately? Was it coincidence? Or could it be that due to the close correlation of the planning scenario and the real-world events, that this was planned and promulgated and launched on the world? What would Occam's razor tell you? And then I think you'll have your answer as to coincidence or no. But let's get back to it here. So, from the discussions Event 201 inspired, the Center for Health Security plans to release a set of formal recommendations within the coming weeks. What a coincidence. Just in time. For the real event, right? Shortly after the simulation, the Center released the Global Health Security Index, the first-ever comprehensive ranking of countries on their pandemic preparedness. All in all, the picture was discouraging. The average score across 195 countries was 40 out of a possible 100. It's our hope, Inglesby said, that countries will use this to consider where they are strong and where they are weak. That's the end of that article that we're going to read here. So we see all of this has been planned a very long time was unleashed on the masses unknowingly, unsuspectingly. And all the while, we had a blueprint and a framework to work from. But you wouldn't know that unless you were one of those who planned this whole thing. And here it is. So that's in regards to Event 201. But now let's get back to the subject at hand, because now they're talking about Disease X. What can we expect out of this Disease X they're hyping up? Well, if they are invoking the archetype here of Clade X, this branch from the Tree of Life, well, it would seem to me that if they're talking about the Tree of Life and a branch of the Tree of Life, it seems probable that they would try to connect this next disease X to this previous one that they unleashed on the masses, this COVID. So this will probably be something related to COVID. So it will likely be some type of a respiratory infection related to COVID on the same branch of the tree of life. 
let's read the scenario and see what we could possibly expect from this. Because rest assured, this is most likely the blueprint they're going to use to unleash this next pandemic on the world. And it's not a coincidence, and it's not a natural thing. This type of a thing has never existed in the past in humanity. Yes, we've had situations where illnesses have spread around the world, and they come and go. But not like this, not in rapid succession, like they're trying to make it and are trying to normalize it as. The last major pandemic allegedly was this 1918 flu. So now they want to bump up the timeline. So you're talking it's a 100-year event in the natural of things. So now they want to bump up this 100-year event to happen within oh, I don't know, five to ten years of in rapid succession, one to another to another. And of course, when you ask them, how do you explain this in the mainstream scientific community? Why is there a sudden rise in pandemic illnesses? Why are there so many alleged mutations of these different viruses or, or things like that? Why, why do we have this going on? And they'll say it's because people are traveling more at more unprecedented rates and cultures are intermingling and this and that. And they'll tell you that. So that's their logic behind it. But yet, at the same token, these same people, who will claim that's the reasoning, they have no compunction with closed national borders. Let everybody in. Now, hold on. Something doesn't add up here. If you really have the public good in mind, public health in mind, wouldn't you want to control access to your borders rather than letting people pass through indiscriminately from these other places that are allegedly bringing all of these new mutated viruses and everything in that are causing some of this to happen in the world by your own logic? Wouldn't it stand a reason to close your national borders in this way? Make sure you don't have people just crossing the borders freely. But yet I just saw a news story where Homeland Security decided that barbed wire put up on the border of Texas, that they were going to go around and cut all the barbed wire down. Make sure the border's nice and open. Why is this? If their logic tells them that all of this intermingling of people from around the world into different places, bringing all these new pathogens in, is causing the rise of pandemic situations, why would they do that? Well, there's intention there, isn't there? If this is truly one of the causative factors, and I don't think it really is, but it's a handy excuse. You see, they play both sides of the game here. So they want people to think in these terms, these physical cause and effect terms, that the reason why we have this escalation in the number of these pandemic situations is because of people intermingling with other people from different areas of the world. They want people to think if that's the case, if that's true, 
that the reason why we see this is because of mass immigration. Unchecked immigration. People crossing borders. An invasion of sorts. And they want people to focus the blame on that. So there's political policies inbound here as well. And we see a lot of this, and this crosses all kinds of different areas in human experience. So if people accept the notion that, yes, it's because of this mass immigration that all of these diseases are persisting and becoming prominent, and that this is the problem, well, why? Why would the policymakers allow people to freely cross the borders this way. And this isn't just happening in America. This is going on all over the world where you have an influx of immigrants from some of these what they would call third world countries and stuff coming into first world countries and arriving there and getting free goodies from the taxpayers of those countries. Well, this is used to create division in people animosity, to induce conflict, to give people a focus on somebody that's not truly their enemy. It's all a loaded game. But that's only if you accept this premise. So that tells you That tells you that your government wants you sick, wants to unleash pandemics on you, if you accept that notion. And some of this is subtle, and you might not pick up on it on a conscious level, but subconsciously, it's there. That if you accept this notion of how disease spreads and how these things come about, then you have to accept that your own government is allowing this to happen to you, that they don't really have your best interests in mind, although they assure you they do, and that's why they lovingly will pay for your vaccinations and stuff like that against these things that they've unleashed on you. It, the logic just isn't there. It doesn't apply. But see, the human mind picks up on that. You pick up on the intention. There's something archetypal there. And this is another factor that comes into play with something like this. But... As an aside from that, let's go back and look at this clade X so we can know kind of what to expect here. So we're going to get back into the slideshow presentation here. That is given as the training tool. And like I said on the very first slide, it describes what clade means, its branch. So like I was alluding to, this will probably be something connected back to this COVID nonsense once once again, this disease X. So this disease X is was timed out in this event. The first illness was reported April 15th in Germany, 2018, when this took place. The first death in Germany was April 18th, so within three days, this thing killed the first person and then all they have on the timeline here april 28th they isolated the virus that's a very short time to isolate an alleged virus isn't it 
And then May 1st, May Day, Beltane. The first case emerges in Venezuela. And then May 2nd, para-influenza is identified. So then we have cases in Germany, Frankfurt, Germany, and Caracas, Venezuela, recorded here. And then there's an NSC staff briefing meeting, May 15th. And this is where the Claydex exercise picks up. And it talks about the true origin of the Claydex pathogen being unknown. That the probable spread to Venezuela by air travel came from Frankfurt, Germany. Reports of possible cases in London, Tokyo, Taipei, and Kabul. And that surveillance is poor in many countries. So, we have this alleged spreading internationally of this disease. And of course, we see, we could look back at COVID as an example of this. Did they ever shut down international travel completely? With this, did they shut down the borders? Did they stop flights into and out of the country because of this? No. No, even though this is allegedly a known thing, that that was a major vector for spreading this. So you should have known from the get-go they never had your well-being in mind with this. Because that would have been one of the first logical things to do. But they never did it, did they? And in fact, it's only after they rolled out vaccination, mass, mass vaccination of this and, and stuff like that, that they started to demand that you need to be vaccinated in order to travel. And many mandated you had to show proof of vaccination in order to travel around the world to go internationally. Think about that think about that, understanding what the true nature of the vaccine really was. Doesn't stand to reason if they really had your best interest in mind, does it? So anyway, at this May 15th NSC staff briefing, they determine more than 10% of infected individuals have died, transmitted from person to person through the air, Infectious individuals transmit the illness to about two to three other people, and the incubation period is approximately five to seven days. Well, all of these things are very interesting, right? Five to seven day incubation period. Haven't we seen something similar with COVID? Transmitted through the air, person to person. And they were saying this one, this clade X exercise, had a 10% mortality rate. And that infectious individuals on average transmit the illness to about two to three other people. Well, that gives them some numbers to work with. And of course, they have a breakdown of human para-influenza phylogeny, phylogeny, excuse me, here as to how some of this might relate to some type of a para-influenza. And then they have what they have listed here next as Cladex medical countermeasures. So they say there's no known antivirals and there's thousands of licensed, drug, licensed drugs being screened. And they're saying para-influenza virus vaccines that are in development for years, none are licensed and they're unlikely to be effective against Cladex. And that vaccine research for the Cladex virus has begun. It will likely take greater than 12 months to have a vaccine. Well, we've seen this move extremely fast 
during the COVID narrative. You see, they, they didn't want to wait out that period. So we were introduced with something called Operation Warp Speed, thanks to the Trump administration, where they unleashed this experimental therapy on the masses, gave it a green light to go without any study having been done. And of course, the the tiny amount of data that they had gathered from similar studies prior to that on this all had bad ramifications, but they won't tell you that. And they didn't tell you that. They'll still, to this day, just tell you how safe and effective these COVID vaccines are. Oh, and by the way, there's this very tiny, minuscule, little, small percent of a chance that you might develop myocarditis or some such thing or have some some type of side effect from it. But that's rare. It's very rare. But yet we see people dropping dead of the died suddenly epidemic over and over again. But of course, one has nothing to do with the other. Doctors are baffled as to why that's happening. But that's beside the point. But at any rate here, so this has always been a major talking point for all of these scenarios. The development of a vaccine. Well, why are they so hyper-focused on a vaccine? Why aren't they focused on, say, some type of an antiviral drug or something like that as a form of treatment? No, it's always a vaccine. Why? Because it's the most invasive way they can get access to the human body, the human physiology, because they want that access for various reasons. They want that access. So they don't have in mind any of these other types of treatments. They want the vaccine. And they always push the vaccine as being the only way to combat these things. And this is the same with this Clade X exercise, which, by the way, predated the Event 201 scenario by over a year. And this was a continuation from Dark Winter and from Atlantic Storm. Two of their previous pandemic exercises at Johns Hopkins. So keep that in mind. This has been going on for a very long time. Going back to 2001 prior to 9-11. And we've seen all of the different changes in the world that have been instituted since that time. And how all these things kind of coalesce together into what we have today. But let's get back to this May 15th NSC staff briefing on this Clade X exercise. Clade X has pandemic potential. The CDC developed a PCR test. What a coincidence, right? This is 2018 that this was talked about, folks. PCR. Most people have never heard of a PCR test prior to COVID. PCR. This is a tool they've always wanted to use for this, even though... Dr. Kerry Mullins, the inventor of the PCR test, he told us it's not really a test. It's a production method. It should not be used to try to test or determine whether somebody has a disease or not. It's a manufacturing method. What it does is it mass produces small amounts of material. It replicates them. It was never intended to be a test of any sort. 
This was the inventor of this process, this PCR process, that told us this, but they've always used it as a way of testing for a thing. And, of course, we've all gone through this looking at the PCR test as a tool as a tool for propping up their narrative and they adjusted the number of cycles for the testing against COVID with this at numerous times to increase the, the prevalence of what they called COVID within the test at certain times and the dropping off thereof and we saw this if you go back through the historical timeline you can go back the very day Joe Biden got inaugurated into the presidency the CDC announced that the PCR testing for COVID that they should drop it by a number of cycles than what they were and see the number of cycles you run determines if you produce what you're looking for or not in it and theoretically if you run enough cycles of this pcr testing you can find anything you want and that's essentially what they did they adjusted the number of cycles they ran for this covid thing to determine whether it was there or not and they used this as an excuse for mandating policies that they wanted and implementing policies they wanted across the board so you see this is mentioned here in this clade x document developing a pcr test isn't that interesting? But let's continue. I don't want to get too hung up on some of these side trails. I think we've all we've all had about enough of the COVID nonsense at this point, and we've heard enough, and we've explored the different manipulations thereof extensively at this point, and we don't want to do it anymore. So I'll side get back to this Clade X bit, and it's. It's, it's kind of disgusting to think that we have to start talking about this stuff again because they are ramping up this push for this disease X. And there's a lot of people out there that are still unaware of all this information that has come out surrounding this narrative they handed us with COVID and how the manipulations have been done. So there's people who haven't heard any of this about COVID But I think the vast majority of my listening audiences had it up to their ears with listening to this talk about COVID and all the ways in which it's been manipulated. So let's get back to the Clade X here. So it says the CDC issued travel alerts for Germany and Venezuela. Fever screening at U.S. airports for direct flights from Germany and Venezuela. Fever screening. You remember thermometers everywhere. Got to take your temperature to come in here. Record your temperature in a log. This kind of thing. And it says, CDC issued alerts to health departments and hospitals. Suspect cases should be isolated and reported to CDC. And then the next slide says, what are you most worried about? What should the government's highest priorities be? And then it gives you a little update. You see, they even put together mock news clips about this stuff on what they call GNN, Global News Network. Much like CNN. This was a fictionalized version of CNN. And they have all these different clips, much like they did with Event 201. Same thing here with Claydex. But we're not going to go through that. Let's get back to what the staff meeting, the staff briefing says here from this May 15th. 
So it says screening may miss people with mild disease or those who are incubating. So you'll have, I guess, non-symptomatic people, right? Where have we seen that before? Non-symptomatic people out there spreading this, really. Not kidding, folks. Like this, this stuff, it just gets disgusting when you go back and you research some of these training scenarios further and further. You find these same tropes over and over again. It's been planned a long time. Australia, China, China, and Singapore have closed down all travel from Germany and Venezuela. A recent poll shows that 65% of the public is in favor of suspending all travel from Germany and Venezuela. 65 again, there's that number. The U.S. has $170 billion in annual trade with Germany. 40,000 travelers from Germany to U.S. each week. Suspending travel violates WHO and WTO, World Trade Organization, agreements. So I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. So now they've introduced the idea that you can't suspend travel from these various countries because it violates agreements that we have with the World Health Organization and the World Trade Organization and all of this. So... This being the notion, this gives them justification for not closing down borders. Then it says here, should the president issue an executive order to suspend air travel from U.S. to the U.S. from Germany and Venezuela? And then it gives, of course, another one of these GNN clips below. And it says the World Health Organization is requesting U.S. medical teams for Venezuela. Venezuela might be willing to accept U.S. medical assistance. Interagency has developed an option for response. The DMAT teams, the DOD combat support hospitals. Medical personnel beds unprecedented for an infectious disease emergency. So they're gearing up again. This worldwide pandemic narrative in this one so six weeks after the onset of the first illness the president issues a four-week suspension for all travel from germany and venezuela president decided against deploying medical aid to venezuela preliminary analysis suggests that cladex virus could have been deliberately engineered first suspected cases of cladex in the u.s had been reported so now now we're getting to the meat of the matter. This, I think, is what's going to be the differentiating factor from what this disease X that they're talking about at the World Economic Forum this week is going to be. Like we said, when we're looking at clade X, this would be branch or lineage of, I think they're going to hearken it back to COVID. But when you look at this... It could have been deliberately engineered, and we've seen stories about this coming out, too, about how strains of COVID have been developed in labs that affect the brain. If you've been paying attention to some of the YouTube videos and various other videos that have been surfacing in the truther community and the greater conspiracy culture, you'll find allusions to this where they tested out some type of a new new bioweapon 
developed from these viruses on rats, and it had a 100% mortality rate affecting their brain. This has been emerging. So let's read a little bit more. We're going to wrap it up here very soon. But let's read it about it a little bit more and see what they can tell us about this. So now the whole notion with this disease X is it will be a manufactured terrorist event. That's the notion they're going for next here. So I think when and if we do see the next pandemic unleashed on the masses, they will try to blame it on terrorists or some type of a group that they deem terrorists. And in this exercise, they developed an international terrorist group that's called A Brighter Dawn, ABD. Oh, and there's ripe occult connotations to that. A Brighter Dawn, the New Dawn, the New Age. All of these different tropes. All of these different tropes. So, think about that. A Brighter Dawn. The symbolism is ripe. It's really ripe here. So this is what they came up with as the terrorist organization in this scenario. Let's read a little bit more about it. So it's an international group focused on overpopulation. No past history of violence. Well-funded. Local chapters in several countries, including the U.S. The FBI has identified multiple U.S. members. One is a para-influenza researcher whose whereabouts are unknown. All other known U.S. members have been detained. And there's an investigation that is allegedly launched in this pandemic scenario here, this Clade X scenario, into this ABD, A Brighter Dawn, organization. So the analysis of the group's social media accounts now indicate a schism within their group. An ABD splinter group may be responsible for the release of Clade X. And they uploaded a video to YouTube claiming responsibility and efforts were made to conceal its origin. So I'm going to pause there. So now they're going to unleash a new boogeyman on the world, an organization that, of course, has imminent harm in mind for humanity at large, that wants the world depopulated. They're going to shift the blame, folks, on who's responsible for this. Are you beginning to understand yet? You see what they're going to do? They're, they're going to claim that somebody else is doing exactly what they want. This is what these policymakers and these dark occultists who run things in this world certainly want. They've been talking about depopulation for a very long time. Very long time. All of these people that think the world's overpopulated, somehow, somehow we're expected to believe that they love us so much that they want to develop a vaccine to keep us from dying. Although they refer to you as the useless eaters. They don't want you around. They don't want you around. They want the world depopulated. You see, they're all eugenicists. But of course, they're going to shift the blame and the focus to some quote-unquote terrorist organization. More deflection 
of their policies and plannings. But let's go ahead, let's see what else this investigation into this organization that they call A Brighter Dawn, that's ripe with occult symbolism, says the intelligence community is working to locate perpetrators. The FBI is the lead agency of this investigation. Foreign intelligence services are conducting similar investigations. And investigation is hampered by limited biological expertise in the intelligence and law enforcement agencies. So this is what this Clade X is all about. And I think this is the nature of this disease X that they've been talking about. You see, they're going to straight up claim it's a biological weapon that was unleashed on the masses on purpose. But of course, this was done by a rogue terrorist organization, not by anybody in positions of power in officialdom. And, of course, they'll probably try to blame it on extreme right-wingers. That's probably what they'll do. I mean, that's what I would suspect. But, at any rate, let's get a little bit further into this, and we're going to wrap it up here very soon. So, the Clade X virus synthesis. So, it says, genes for neurologic virulence of NIPA have been inserted into the para-influenza genome. Virologists with special training in a reasonably outfitted laboratory could make the virus. A brighter dawn, the organization has probably been working on this for a long time. Animals and perhaps humans were likely used for testing. So I'm going to pause for a moment here. So now we have some acknowledgments. Hidden, if you know how to read between the lines. Of course, it's neurologic virulence. And what do we see circulating out there? in some of the truth community now and the greater conspiracy culture. Well, this talk about some strain of COVID that was weaponized in a way in a lab where it becomes 100% fatal and it affects the neurological system of rats. This was all outlined in this Claydex document, folks. Just putting it out there for you. And it's probably been worked on for a long time. This is revelation of the method going on. They're telling you what they've been up to. We're seeing it. The narrative's out there now. And I think they fully intend to act on the narrative. But here's what the NFC staff briefing from June 1st, 2018, from this pandemic exercise says. So, security has been increased in airport screening, and they banned all liquids and powders on inbound international flights. They're attempting to open and search all luggage. Liquids or powders are, that are found are being destroyed, and this has caused air traffic to grind to a halt. Notice they won't stop air traffic altogether during any of this, because I guess it violates some treaty with the World Health Organization and World Trade Organization, even though common sense would tell you, hey, we should probably stop international flights at this point. But they won't, right? There's no way to screen most freight traffic. So, <laughs> any freight coming into the country, or going out of the country, any goods, there's no way to really monitor that. They know this. This is something that's been kind of a weakness in the system for a long time. But let's read on. So it says, DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, is working with the CDC to incorporate Claydex into BioWatch and is working to understand the nature 
of the virus. The next slide, it says, this appears to be a biological weapon. How does this change our response? NSC staff briefing. If the president decides to federalize the quarantine, we would need to, first, organize logistics for food, water, and other supplies. Second, provide medical care for quarantined individuals. Third, arrange for due process. Fourth, federalize the National Guard and or bring in U.S. Marshals and determine the level of force authorized to maintain a quarantine. A federalized mass quarantine would be unprecedented. And I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. So how would you institute a mass quarantine without using any type of militaristic force? Well, didn't we see two weeks to flatten the curve? It was a test run. And now that they've done the test run, now next time, if you're talking an acknowledged biological weapon unleashed by a quote-unquote terrorist organization, they might get the military involved in policing the streets, much like what had happened in places like Australia, where the police were out there making sure people weren't alone on the beach. Go in your house. Stay home. Save lives. Remember all that? Let's continue on. So also in this staff briefing, the large outbreak in Afghanistan is confirmed as Cladex. Hospitals in all of these countries are struggling. The World Health Organization says that there have been a number of outbreaks in hospitals. 10% of the confirmed cases are health care workers. Most confirmed cases require intensive care. 20% death rate among those hospitalized. Going to pause for a moment here. So these are some concerning numbers, and we've seen some pre-signaling of this in this actual COVID scamdemic that they pulled on us, didn't we? So now we're going to see here, a lot of this was outlined in this Claydex document, Options for medical countermeasures and diagnostics are being explored. Vaccine research is proceeding on multiple fronts in multiple countries. Medical supply shortages are being reported across the U.S. Medical supply shortages. Well, we have an excess of PPE now, don't we? So now we don't have to worry about that. You see how all these things tie together, and this was a conjunction of these different exercises that led to the policy implementation here in the real-world events, the alleged real-world events that happened here with COVID. You see how all of this was planned, and I think this was an exercise in and of itself, this whole COVID scamdemic that they unleashed on us, was an exercise to see just how well they could implement these policies in real time in a real scenario it was a test run folks it was a test run for something bigger and i think they may be in the planning phases of unleashing this something bigger on us we need to be mindful of this So continuing this staff briefing, many patients have very mild illness but may still be contagious. Modeling suggests a severe pandemic is possible if Claydex is not contained soon. The president declares a national state of emergency. Health and Human Services Secretary declared a public health emergency. Then it talks about military challenges. 
about Kabul and Helmand provinces in Afghanistan have large outbreaks. Local medical facilities are overwhelmed. A dozen U.S. troops have clayed X and are in critical condition, and they evacuate them. Evacuation of them to the U.S. is very difficult. Combatant commanders concerned about the effect on force readiness. Force protection level increased for military installations around the world. And then it goes into, do we bring home our troops from around the world, or do we let them where they're at? And then this goes on to a situation update. Dated June 17, 2018, eight weeks after the onset of the first illness, the situation update. Massachusetts governor agreed to maintain a quarantine. None of the perpetrators from a Brighter Dawn organization have been located. The Department of Defense creates isolation units for the U.S. Clade X patients. All high-level isolation units in the U.S. are full. The remainder of sick U.S. personnel are being treated overseas. Mass evacuation of non-essential personnel and dependents is planned. New major Cladex outbreak in Bethesda, Maryland. Gonna pause for a moment here, folks. Now, is there some importance to this notion of Bethesda, Maryland? Let's read on and see. Bethesda outbreak. 51 cases in Bethesda and D.C., and most are critically ill. Area ICUs are already exceeding capacity, and hospitals cannot handle more than one to two Cladex patients at a time. I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. One to two at a time? Well, that's interesting. Why could they only handle one to two patients at a time? Hmm. Gotta wonder. You have to wonder if perhaps... For some reason, much of the medical system has been cut back, like what happened during this COVID scam that they pulled on us, where the hospitals began to let people go, lay people off, because they were largely empty, and they were so hyper-focused on COVID that they canceled all of their... all of their different procedures that weren't considered important where they make the bulk of their money they wound up laying people off and shutting down entire wings of the hospital would this play something into it maybe i don't know but let's continue with the document here and we're going to close up severe pandemic possible no pre-existing immunity about half of patients have mild illness but are still contagious. The other half experience severe symptoms. Approximately 20% of those will die, even with good medical care. Going to pause here. So haven't we seen similar notions already? You see what they're gearing up for here? So rapidly rising case fatalities in areas where hospitals are failing. Modeling suggests the possibility of half a million to two million U.S. deaths over the next year and greater than 50 million globally. Now, this was the Clade X exercise that predicted all of this and was talking about this. So now, we have more of this scenario where it goes on, and it talks about some hospitals are refusing to accept transfers of these patients because they can't handle the influx that ICUs are full, and they're having all of these problems. 
And there's outbreaks all over the world, and terrorist groups have begun earnestly doing military actions. And that this is putting troops at risk for getting Clade X. You see, they didn't put all of these types of things into play in the military scenario here with COVID. You'll notice that m most of the terrorist organizations that were front and center in the media up until that time disappeared. Like, ISIS didn't do anything with COVID. I guess they were afraid of catching this oh-so-deadly virus. So they didn't really do much of anything during that entire time, and only recently have we seen the resurfacing of the terrorist narrative in the news media. And of course there's a connection here, as we'll see. But they're going to tie these two agendas together with this disease X, it would seem. So let's get... We're going to scroll down here to some more of the specifics here with this disease X or this clade X. High transmission in megacities. Patients are being turned away from hospitals and many are dying at home. Many are blaming immigrants and minorities for the disease spread. There it is, folks. Catastrophic outcome is unlikely unless a vaccine is deployed soon. So, of course, they have to push the vaccine. And here, the next section is about the vaccine. The vaccine will confer immunity approximately one month after vaccination. More than one dose may be required. This would be the fastest that a vaccine for a novel virus has ever been produced. And we see what they've instituted with COVID, right? And then they talk about prioritization as to how to distribute this vaccine. And it talks about the capacity for developing these vaccines and allocating them. And then this brings to question some real-world logistics questions when it gets down to it. Because it says here, the capability to produce vaccines and drugs for novel pathogens within months, not years, and gives strong and sustainable global health security system, robust, highly capable national public health system that can manage the challenges of pandemic response. These are the goals. International strategy for addressing research that increases pandemic risks. National security community will prepare to prevent, detect, and respond to infectious disease emergencies. So here's some of the takeaways from the event. And of course it says here that the capacity to manufacture vaccines. This is one of the things I wanted to point out here. And I think we'll probably close on this thought. So it says here, as a response to this, for these vaccines, working with companies, Health and Human Services and the FDA are to test and manufacture a vaccine it could be enough vaccine for 80% of the U.S. population within six to nine months. As they, and it gives in a, a fictitious pharmaceutical company, Azalea, it says here. Azalea sounds very similar to AstraZeneca, doesn't it? But it says it will license the vaccine for production in other countries. And here is where the rubber meets the road. Initial production capacity is expected to be 5 million doses per month. 5 million doses per month. Think about that. 
how many doses of the COVID vaccine were they able to manufacture within the first several months? It was more than 5 million. It's not logistically possible, folks. They had this stuff up and ready to go ahead of time. They had to have. Because this is saying the initial production capacity was expected to be 5 million doses per month of a new vaccine that had never been developed so rapidly before. Who's lying? So think about it. Do the math. 5 million doses per month. 12 months, that's 60 million doses. Not nearly enough to inoculate 69% of the world's population over the course of three years, is it? Is it? Do the math. That's 180 million doses. For three years. Five million doses per month. How many people are there in the world? How much of the world population would 69% of that be? How? How? Was this possible? It's not. Somebody's lying here. Think about that. And then think about all the died suddenly stuff we're seeing coming to fruition in front of our eyes. Think about the narrative that terrorists, terrorist organizations are on an uptick now. Think about they're gearing up for disease X. And they're invoking the archetype of the binding influence of Saturn in the very name of it. Think about all these other ideas that have been laid out before us now in their scenario planning events here. Connect the dots. Understand what we may be looking at in the near future. You see, these scumbags, they have no compunction with unleashing a scenario like this on humanity. It furthers their agendas. COVID was a test run, folks. The next thing they will present as more problematic. They will present it as an actual bioweapon, and they will claim there are certain small terrorist groups responsible for it, when in reality it's been planned by those at the top of the power pyramid for a long time. It's the depopulation, it's the eugenics agenda going into full swing, and we've seen only the beginning phases of it so far with the rollout of the COVID vaccines on the masses. Like I said, this one ain't gonna fly on YouTube. My channel will be gone if I try to put this on there. And also, like I said, when I put it on Spotify, I'm probably going to get one of those medical information boxes underneath it. Which is fine if they want to do that. As long as they're not censoring free speech, I'm good with that. And I don't know where else you'll be able to hear this. I'll certainly have it posted to my website. 
But see, we should be able to challenge this stuff. We should have this right to free speech and free conversation and to challenge these ideas and point out these things that we see, these pre-planning types of evidences involved with this stuff and the way that they're trying to present this to the world. They're leveraging archetypes against us. They're leveraging bits of information against us. They're leveraging energetic principles against us. And they've been gearing this up for a long time and putting the subtle cues out there in the zeitgeist for us to pick up on. And your unconscious mind recognizes it, but your subconscious mind sometimes picks up on greater aspects of it. But your conscious mind usually just puts it in the back. Doesn't think much on it. Anyway... You gotta, you gotta really sort through a lot of this information yourself. Use your discernment and apply those tools that we have to try to figure out what's correct, what's incorrect, what's accurate, what's not accurate. But make no doubt about it, they've been pushing this for a long time, and they would like nothing better for this to become part of the manifest reality here. And they're talking about it this week at the World Economic Forum, Davos. And you have the Pope giving his blessing to those people at the World Economic Forum. All of this... All of this is just a greater symptom of the times we're living in. So get your hearts right with the Lord, folks. We're living in interesting and unprecedented times for certain. Anyway, I want to thank you all for tuning in. That's all I have for tonight. We'll catch you next time. I appreciate each and every one of you. Have a good one. See you next time. Come with me.
can make.